And Momo will now gladly <laughs> tell you about our music things. <laughs> um, Why are you laughing? Because you're so awkward. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back to Merlisten, a monthly podcast about BBC's Merlin, where we talk about the show, the ships, the fandom, and the characters. I miss Snowfox, and I'm still not getting used to that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm homotastic, and I'm already used to it. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm doing really better. Um, I'm also blatantly lying. Yeah, <laughs> I nearly, I nearly fucked up for sure. Um, today, guys, we have the continuation of last month's episode, which was Beauty and the Beast Part One episode review. And instead of doing what we would normally do and have other stuff in between, because this is a two-parter, we're just going to follow straight on with the second part of the story, Beauty and the Beast Part Two. But before we get into that, Momo has lots of things. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah, let's hear some news. Marie Lewis has started selling their new Merlin fanart calendar for the year 2020. Go and grab your copy if you haven't yet before they're sold out again. The Gwain Fest closes sign-ups today. If you want to participate in a Gwain holiday-themed gift exchange, sign up right this moment as long as it's still October the 20th, 2019. Author of the Pendragons on Tumblr created an open Merlin and Merthyr-themed playlist on Spotify to which anyone with a Spotify account can add their own tracks. And finally, a request from us here at Merlison. Please let us know if this new section is something you find useful at all, especially now that it's coming out only every four weeks. Most of our news aren't quite current and maybe not relevant to the listeners when they get around to listening to these episodes. Let us know on any of our platforms whether or not you want us to keep up the news or if you'd be alright with us cutting this segment. And that has been it for news. Back to rocks. Yeah, back to me. <laughs> uh, so now we have some talkbacks or just the one talkback today. Uh, we are just doing kind of one or two these days for these talkback thingies. So uh, we have a talkback from Ruby who commented on our crossover and fusions uh, fanfic episode. And this is what she had to say. I actually didn't know that Two Weeks Notice is a movie. Now I see that the Merthyr Manor for the cover is based on the movie poster. So thanks for that. I haven't read it yet, but now I will watch the movie first. I assume I was talking about Two Weeks Notice again. <laughs> like I'm the only one that really brings it up because I love yeah, it. I think I think episode like Ruby commented on on several things, and I think this was maybe in reply to modern AUs potentially or fusions probably crossover infusions possibly so I, yeah I'm assuming that's what this is about and yes we were definitely talking about two weeks notice and you were gushing about how you know it's uh it is the movie but also it has all these little moments yeah. that tie it back into Merlin and the show yeah and yeah so I I just wanted to say that I didn't know either that 
that this was a movie before I listened to the part fake for the first time. Like, I, I still haven't seen the movie, I think. Like, if I did, I've forgotten all about it. <laughs> because in my head, it's just... Like, even if I were to watch the movie, I probably just keep thinking, that's not how Two Weeks Notice does it. Yeah. Like, the, like how the fic does it. Yeah. So, yeah. But as I'm also not super interested in seeing the movie, so I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw the movie after I listened to the podcast because I was like, I should probably. <laughs> and I do remember thinking that it there were a lot of, like cool, like, cool similarities, which is why I say that the fic is really cool that it, it does follow the movie so well but I will always prefer the fic because it's Mirtha and the movie is Hugh Grant and Sandra Bullock one of whom I'm fairly like you know kind of keen on and the other one I'm just like meh the second part of the comment is I'm not surprised by the top crossover fandoms listed this was in regards to the um crossover infusion yeah the stats i think yeah 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 the stats i don't read any harry potter fanfic because i always end up mixing them up with what happened in the books but i'm interested in some of the merlin crossover ones with it yeah uh (laughs) i just find this find this so interesting that fans who generally do read fanfic like i know ruby is a fanfic reader but uh ruby avoids fanfic of certain fandoms so that they don't get canon and fanon mixed up. Like, this is not the first time I've encountered this. <laughs> and, like, I can see why someone would be concerned about this, because I get canon and fanon mixed up a lot in the fandoms that I'm in, but I also don't <laughs> mind getting them mixed up, you know? Yeah. Because most of the time, fanon is better than canon anyway, and I'd rather think that something fanon happened in canon, and that makes me love canon more. So, you know, I think <laughs> I'm happy. It, I think it's one of those things where... Maybe as a vidder, because I like actually dissect. Well, I mean, I don't read that much anymore. But the fandoms that I'm actually in, like actively in, um, most of them I have vidded at some point quite extensively. And so, because I'm always in the episodes, like with the way that I contribute to fandom, and I therefore know the episodes so well, it's very difficult for me to forget what's canon and what's fanon. Because if you're not rewatching stuff all the time, I can imagine that, yeah, maybe it might be like, hey, like, especially if a fic is like really, really like, you know, compliant with what's going on in canon yeah like i can imagine it it's very easy to be like hang on a second especially in harry potter because there's so much plot like there's so much plot so it'd be like hang on did that person say that or did that person think that and yeah i can imagine especially in harry potter it's very easy to get fanon and and canon mixed up Uh, i guess it's lucky that the only like I can't really get fanon and canon mixed up with the with the Harry Potter fic I would read because I either read Marauders Era of which there is almost nothing in the books, or I would read Drarry, which it's very clear that that's fanon because Drarry. So it's like I'm very, <laughs> you know, like I. What, what do you mean Harry and Draco did not actually get married and adopt well, five babies? I mean, um, maybe they. I mean, maybe they did, but the stuff they get up to in the Room of Requirement definitely ain't canon. <laughs> That's what you think. All right, and that has been it for this 
topic. I hope we actually found a way to come to a good conclusion after we <laughs> drifted <laughs> off into a massive tangent on Harry the, Potter. And the tangent went way on further than what's ended up in the final cut as well. So just know that there's plenty of Harry Potter discussions that you guys didn't hear. But hey, you, that has to be expected, right? Yeah, I mean, this is not a Harry Potter podcast or else we would have left it in, but alas. Okay, so if you also want to talk to us, leave a comment, and also especially have us react to your comment, then please leave your comment on our website, which is melissa.paracaproductions.com. You can also just type Melissa into Google. It should come right up, and then you can comment on the respective episode, and we will most likely react to your comment on air. If you're not bothered about whether or not we comment on the podcast to your comment, how many times can I say comment? Is someone making a tally? Take a this? shot. <laughs> <laughs> Take a shot every time Momo says comment. Hey, it's a Saturday um, night. I should be drinking. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you can also reach us on Tumblr. Our Tumblr is also Melissa. You can reblog with your comment. You can put it in a reply. You can send us an ask. You can also tweet us at Merlisten. You can email us at merlisten.podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes where you can rate us and leave us comments there. And finally, we have a Discord. You can find the invite link on our website or our Tumblr, or you can just message rocks or me for it if you want we will get you in there and then you can talk to other people who listen to the podcast and also go on tangents and tell me when i made a typo in an episode description or something it's great fun honestly and you should join us yeah it's it's a really fun way for us to kind of find out what you guys think of the episodes i i get so excited after like a new episode as and i see someone's like pinged us in the episode reactions chat because i'm just like oh someone's got something to say so please don't be shy like please just come in like just spam the chat because it makes me really happy so exactly awesome and now that we have all of that out of the way we can get into beauty and the beast part two Rox, would you like to read the summary from the Merlin wiki for god i'm just i'm just waiting for how inaccurate this is gonna be Let's have a look. I know, right? Newly crowned Queen Katrina settles in as Camelot's first lady. As her true troll nature surfaces, her influence over Uther increases, and the repercussions are felt throughout the kingdom. When Katrina accuses Merlin of stealing, he is forced into hiding, forced to sneak around the castle. I'm sorry, this this is bullshit. Everything about it. Okay, let me get through it. Okay, sorry. When Katrina accuses Merlin of stealing, he is forced into hiding. Forced to sneak around the castle, Merlin must find a way to expose Katrina's true form without getting caught and beheaded. Even if he succeeds, is it enough to break her powerful magic? Or will Camelot be stuck with a troll queen forever? And just there's so much in there that's incorrect or just misleading. It's not, First of all, First Lady, she's the queen, the first, like, Uther's not the president, definitely not a democracy in Camelot. Um, 
Also, it just like when it says Merlin is forced into hiding, like that just makes it sound like, you know, he's uh, like persecuted and gone into the woods. He's still in Camelot. It's just the guards are too stupid to see him. <laughs> like, but it's not wrong. He is forced to hide. It doesn't say where he hides. Think, he is still I, hiding. I don't think you can say it's in hiding if it's in your own castle. <laughs> like, no, it is in hiding. He is hidden in uh, his castle. <laughs> His castle, Merlin's castle. <laughs> I honestly think that if we hadn't had that like scene of Merlin being like looked for by the guards, like you would never know he was hiding because he acts exactly the same. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> so, like he's not even he's not even that sneaky when walking around. I Maybe know. throwing a look over his shoulder once more than he usually oh, does, God. but other than that, it's exactly the same as always. Just, These um, guards are just so useless the just... writers are just so useless Let's... no the guards <laughs> but they're written that way <laughs> yeah. uh, let's get into the stats <laughs> okay stats yes this episode aired on the 31st of october 2009 which means halloween 10 years ago it has three female characters with lines this time gwen gets something to say and morgana gets Fewer lines than before, but at least she still gets something to say. And then, of course, we still have Troll Katrina or, you know, fake Lady Katrina, however you want it. I wonder what the troll's name actually is. It can't be Katrina. Doesn't the troll have a name other than my lady, as Jonas keeps calling her? I don't. Yeah, that's a good point. I never really thought about it. I guess I don't care much about Troll Katrina. (laughs) (laughs) Poor her. Oh, so we had six male characters with lines. They are Arthur, Merlin, Gaius, Uther, and Leon, and of course, Jonas. The enemy and monster of the week are still Troll, the Troll, and Jonas. And at the end of the episode, Arthur kills both Jonas and the Troll. Okay, so our overall impressions of this episode. Overall thoughts, indeed. I mean, there's still a lot of filler in here, but I do feel like the pace of this episode, in my opinion, is a lot quicker. I feel like from the very beginning, when it starts to kind of, by the midsection, so much has already happened. Like, we start off with them on their wedding night, and then by the middle of the episode, Arthur is, like, disinherited and it just there's just a lot that's happening and it's all very very fast which i appreciate because the one thing that i really did feel from the previous part was i had the complaint that things just felt like they were taking too long <laughs> even though i know that it was important because it was the whole thing of uther falling in love and then obviously being enchanted but i i like the pacing of this one this is one of the funnier episodes that merlin has ever done in my opinion despite like whatever problematic stuff there is, and it's there but the physical comedy and just the the kind of slapstick comedy of th- th- this troll being a troll and everyone knowing and Uther not knowing <laughs> is just so simple. And Anthony and Sarah Parrish just play off each other so well. And it's and Richard like playing off of everything like in that scene with Rupert as well. It's just. Everything about it is absolutely hilarious. Obviously, there are that scene that scene that you just mentioned, the one with Rupert, where they try to very gently point it out to Uther that his wife is a troll. It's just that's absolute comedy gold. Like the way the way 
Leon keeps smiling so yeah. benignly the entire time until Uther threatens their lives yeah. and the smile just slips off his face. That's amazing. where he lost his innocence forever. <laughs> it was <in> that <laughs> um, but yeah, I I don't know what to say really. I I think that this is one of those episodes that I'm always really surprised of how much kind of character development Arthur kind of gets or not maybe development but like depth like this is actually quite a important episode for his character I would say which is ridiculous because it's just a throwaway comedy episode but um and obviously you know you've got a bit of the Arthur Uther relationship going on I think that's why I preferred this one to part one you know part one does have the deep stuff in there we mentioned before about Uther's kind of problems with um, intimacy after Igraine's death and all that kind of stuff but I I've always felt like the comedy here, even though it was ridiculous and way over the top, was A, funny, and B, it was actually balanced quite nicely by the serious stuff of kind of, you know, Arthur finding his feet with making his own decisions and actually knowing what it means to be a ruler and deciding what kind of ruler he wants to be because he thinks that his father is in his right mind. And so he's like, I don't want to be like this greedy and I don't want to see my subjects as subjects. I want to see myself as their servant. And that's actually quite an important step for him. And it's a, mm-hmm. it, it's almost a shame that it was put into, yeah, just a stupid throwaway like duology <laughs> comedy but it's a it's an important episode for him i think anyway yeah i agree i agree arthur gets some really important characterization done here in this episode yeah and in terms of the episode kind of on like a meta level for me this is actually a very special episode for me because this was the very first episode of merlin that i ever watched live on tv on a saturday night and it's kind of and it's so for those of you that aren't really like that tuned into like mine and momo's personal kind of lives and whatever like uh i work uh Uh, six days a week and I normally would work all day on a Saturday in a restaurant like well into the evening and this is the first day that I finally changed my schedule so I'm only working the day shift so I came home at like seven um sorry not seven um 5 30 today and it's kind of really cool and weird that it worked out that the episode that we're filming tonight we wouldn't normally film on a Saturday is the first episode that I ever watched on tv and so when I came home it was sort of like weirdly reminiscent of the days when I used to come home or like get excited on a Saturday for a new episode of Merlin because it was like Saturday night and it's a Merlin themed Saturday night and so that just felt like 2009 all over again it was so bizarre also for anyone who just got excited that that rock said filming we're not actually filming ourselves recording oh, this sorry. We're literally just recording <laughs> I'm sorry. i don't i just don't want anyone to get their hopes up that they might see actual video of us sitting here in like especially me in my sweats yeah looking like a gremlin at my computer <laughs> i mean maybe maybe episode. maybe one day when we get ourselves a fancy studio with like a desk and we'll be in the same place we can do that <laughs> but alas myself and momo record these podcasts from a very very long distance away and a time a whole time zone apart so um that would one whole time zone apart 
one whole exactly. time zone. Um, but yeah, I actually have very few kind of like overall thoughts. I just think this is a really funny episode. I genuinely like watching it and it has very special memories for me because it was the first one I saw on TV. So I had been all caught up and I watched everything on iPlayer and everything. And yeah, this was this was my first one. And I think it kind of is very special to me for that reason. And I remember finding it hilarious then and I find it hilarious now. So um, so shall we get into the scene by... Oh, no, you've got Creatureology. Sorry. Yeah. I, I forgot to prepare Creatorology for the first episode out of this two-parter, but I will deliver it now. So a quick Creatorology on trolls. And, you know, as per usual, as per usually, this is me doing five minutes of uh, Wikipedia research. So everything I say is sanctioned by Wikipedia. If I'm wrong, tell me. So in trolls mostly come from Norse mythology and Scandinavian folklore. They're often described as either dwarfs or giants. They can be either one. This, like Merlin's troll, is clearly more dwarfish than giantess. But okay. They are said to dwell in isolated rocks, mountains, or caves. And they live together in small family units, usually as father and daughter or mother and son. Which is a fact I found very interesting when we see how Katrina and Jonas are so very tight-knit, almost like a family. That's very interesting to me. They are. <laughs> this comes up several times on Wikipedia. They are rarely helpful to human beings. <laughs> this is a very polite description. Rarely helpful to human beings. And then I'm just going to quote this directly from Wikipedia. Depending on the source, their appearance varies greatly. Trolls may be ugly and slow-witted or look and behave exactly like human beings with no particularly grotesque characteristic about them. And especially this last one, where they look exactly like human beings, is tied in with them then not being Christian. Like, that is the point that sets them apart. If trolls look like any other human being and behave like any other human being, you will know that they are trolls because they aren't Christians. So I guess this is just, you know, a polite way of calling them. What is the not polite way of calling someone a non-Christian? A heretic. A heretic. Thank <laughs> well, you. Well, that's what they would so, have probably called them back in the day. So, so you know, this is just another way of calling them a heretic. <laughs> and in these instances where, you know, trolls are equal with heretics, they would be frightened by the sound of church bells. So this is how you could you know, chase them off by sounding yeah. the church bells, but they would also try to destroy churches. So they're, they're aggressive heretics. They're... <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So I find, I mean, this is a lot of the times that these kind of folklore or mythology, m mythological creatures are just, you know, manifestations of Christians who fear non-Christians basically. But yeah, obviously Merlin didn't go this route of the yeah. non-Christian troll. <laughs> this troll, this troll insisted on getting married. Although, come to think of it, it was not a Christian marriage. It was a hand fasting they did yeah, in the last episode. So maybe there is something God to knows. be said about Katrina being a heretic. <laughs> 
Oh my god. Well, with that in mind, shall we get into the scene by scene? <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. Let's start. Uh so myself and Momo I think uh have different scene titles again unfortunately because of reasons. And um yeah. reasons and... being that Rox didn't set them in the dock. I mean, when she was supposed to. I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a new problem. I mean, it's more of a human problem. <laughs> but still, <laughs> we can't all be trolls like Katrina. Um, Never mind that I went to bed at 9.30 last night, which would have been 8.30 for you. So basically, I went to bed right after we hung up. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've called this one the one where Uther is denied coffee. <laughs> This I just will, called it the one with the wedding night. This will be a recurring theme for poor Uther in this episode until it no longer is. Um, but essentially, what I really like about this scene is that it's it's kind of cool to me that this was the first two-parter that we'd had. And where it was like to be continued from the last one, I guess for someone that maybe wasn't watching that much television at the time I kind of maybe expected them to just leave straight off from where the last one ended but no like clearly some time has passed like it was the morning then and it's the evening now so there's been a whole day of whatever's been going on and we're just being introduced to the evening and it, and we're just jumping straight into the plot which Merlin doesn't necessarily always do and that's what I mean by this episode starting out very fast paced and I really kind of liked that yeah I thought you'd gone then I was like no <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no! I just don't have any actual no, thoughts that's fine. on this um, on this scene. Like my my recurring thought throughout the entire episode is Sarah Parrish is amazing. Yeah, Tony Head is amazing. Oh yeah, and that's about it. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> I love uh, just kind of to go into the kind of comedic parts of like beats of the scene. I love <laughs> when they start laughing at each other. You have like you see and hear Jonas laugh, but like the camera cuts to him to show his like wide open trap <laughs> as Uther walks in. He's like ah! And then the door opens and he's just like, my lord. <laughs> it's brilliant. Jonas is a gift in, like just in these two episodes, but yeah, he's hilarious. And then when Katrina starts her big soap opera thing. Uh, and she taught and um Uther asks who who could have stolen the seal, and she's like, Oh no, no, no. I don't want to ruin this night. And even in his enchanted state, I love that he's sort of like, Can you stop bullshitting for one second? Because he takes her hands off his face, like, Katrina, who took your the, seal? I'm, I'm just I'm just the way she squishes his face <laughs> takes her hands away is just like I love that like, so much. Like her whole kind of like uh dying swan thing every time he tries to like be intimate with her is hilarious. Like there's a scene later where I find it more funny, which I'll get to, but this one is the same where he's like, Who it like who was it? Oh no, 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 no. I don't want to ruin what should be the most happiest night of our life. <laughs> it's just like yeah. it's just the fact that he falls for it, even though he's enchanted. I'm like, come on, man. But I guess like my question, and I know, you know, that I shouldn't really get into this, but I know Uther doesn't really know Merlin, but considering that he at least knows how much Merlin is prepared to do for Arthur because of, you know, season one happened. Like, I'm surprised <laughs> that, and I know Katrina's his wife and I know that he's enchanted, but I'm surprised that he just kind of didn't even question like whether and, I mean, and like and like also if something gets stolen like you don't normally know who took it like 
Like, how would she know it was Merlin? Like, normally if something's taken, you don't know how or who took it. Like, they, like it's not like they leave a note saying, by the way, this was yeah. Merlin. Yeah, that is true. Like, that is more unbelievable than Uther just going with it that, you know, it was Merlin. Because, honestly, none of these characters remember that season one happened. <laughs> Especially not the poison oh, chalice. Certainly doesn't. <laughs> so well, you know, okay. That, you say that's not that. that unusual. You say that, but that leads us very nicely into what I've called the one where Arthur shows his Slytherin side, because as soon as the you know the the order is out to arrest Merlin, which by the way. I don't know how they didn't find him within the first five minutes because everyone knows where Merlin is at this hour and why would they be looking for him in hay bales and like God knows what else when they should just look for him in Arthur's room or just anywhere where he's meant to be working. Um, But Arthur strategically tries to, you know, get guards away from Merlin and then he goes to his chambers himself and immediately tries to get Merlin to escape and I'm just a bit like can we please appreciate the fact that we're at a point now in Merlin where you know disregarding Curse of Cornelia Segan and all the bullshit that that brought up but you know this really feels to me like time has passed with them because I know Arthur's been very quick to believe Merlin in the past like in Valiant and stuff and we've mentioned that but that was a bit different because he didn't you know Merlin had to kind of really plead his case and then Arthur said I want you to swear to me that you're telling the truth and then he believed him because how could you not believe that face but then this is different he gets an order from his father to arrest Merlin for stealing Katrina's seal and he doesn't even go to ask Merlin's explanation he just already knows that he's innocent and already puts plans in place to get him out of Camelot and I'm just like character growth (laughs) it's just so (laughs) satisfying and yeah yeah it's just and okay I have a theory though and my theory and I've again never thought about this until right now but considering the last time that Merlin and Arthur spoke about Katrina the troll it was in like a kind of jovial sense Arthur clearly didn't pay it much heed at all he was laughing and he was like oh yeah lol troll as in she's ugly i get it and here arthur goes we've been through this when merlin is like no she's a troll and then like it actually looks as though he genuinely believes merlin which he should like there's no reason why he should because the last time they spoke he genuinely thought it was a joke which makes me believe that there was a deleted scene here that takes place in between the wedding and this happening because I think that it's just too big a joke. Like, I'm not saying that it's wrong that they got rid of it because, like, obviously the scene works perfectly well as it is. But it just seems like a bit too much of a jump from Arthur outright laughing in his face to Arthur clearly, like, like he clearly believes Merlin in this scene. Like, he's he's like, I don't care what she is, but you need to get out of here because they're going to kill you. I Like, when he says, we've been over this, I don't think he... I don't think he actually references Katrina being an actual troll. I still he think I still think that he thinks that when Merlin says she's a troll, what Merlin means is she's behaving terribly. She's being mean or something like that, or right, she's okay. being greedy. Like I don't think that Arthur actually understands this as she is an actual mythological troll right. <laughs> who changed 
shape to look like a human or just a heretic. (laughs) (laughs) Like this is me. Maybe author understands it as she is a heretic. Perfect. Like, you know, we, we accept all faiths and God. Oh my God. No, we do not. We definitely do not. Not the old religion, but every other thing is welcoming. No, um, anyway, so that's that's how I read this scene. The author is just like, okay, Merlin, I get it. You don't like her. I don't like her. But my 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 author, my my father has married her. We have no choice but to accept her now. Or rather, she has accused you of something that I think you didn't do. Or even if you did do it, I don't think you should hang for it. So just get the fuck out of here. That's what I think of right, this. Right, fair enough. Um, well, I mean, regardless, you know, he uh, sends Melon away and he gives him that kind of long, like, kind of epic look. And I always love using that in my vids because it's just sort of like, a, oh, please don't get yourself killed. But what I will say is I know Arthur's trying his best here, but consider, like, all he does is, like get Merlin out of his chambers and I'm sorry but if you're wanting to like guarantee that Merlin gets out of the grip of the Camelot guards like shouldn't you try to sneak him out yourself like he really didn't do much to guarantee Merlin wouldn't get found as soon as he left his chambers (laughs) he just kind of was like leave as though as though his chambers were like Narnia's door and it would open up into like a beautiful winter wonderland and Merlin would be safe Honestly, I just, I think Arthur just trusted that Merlin would find a way to escape because Arthur probably has an inkling that Merlin is pretty good at hiding his scrawny little body. (laughs) And also Arthur knows how useless his guards are. (laughs) God's sake. Um, Well, in any case, the guards uh, do not find Merlin. And um, what we have instead is... Uh, Merlin somehow managing to evade them and Arthur being in front of his father in a scene that I've called the one where Arthur looks so good in blue because he does he's wearing almost all blue and some of it is velvet and it looks really really nice and I appreciate I'm assuming you also appreciate this I yes yes (laughs) Uh, yes I Um, have I have a few scenes where I have like notes about Arthur's wardrobe this was not one of them because I feel like I gush about Arthur in blue tones a lot but yes he looks very good in it looks one. really good with his blonde hair like it, like he really should wear those colors more often I, like and I I am a big fan of the kind of mauve like thriller jacket and stuff but it but it does wash him out a bit more like these really bring out his like his hair a lot I really really like the blues um she talks as though she has any clue what she's talking about. I don't know anything about <laughs> color theory. I just know that I like how he looks. <laughs> That's it. Um, and so essentially, I just love Arthur being good and smart. Like Arthur being both of those things together is a rarity on the <laughs> So we actually get a lot of cool collected Arthur in this episode. Like the most frantic we ever see him is in that scene with with Merlin in his chambers. And the rest of the episode, no matter what happens, like whether he's fighting with his father or whether he's in a scene with this person or that person, even when Katrina is like trying to get away from them when she's transforming he's just really kind of cool and collected and he's cool and collected here and he plays it 
perfectly. Katrina sees through him, but I do, <laughs> but he's really good at like like I I think he's super convincing personally. Do you yeah. think? Yeah, I think he's super convincing. I think yeah. It's I call this scene the one where Arthur bullshits and he's just uh, which you know honestly Katrina should just gobble right up because she loves all that shit exactly and like the fact like um, how he just takes like his glove off and just like casually wipes his eye as he's talking he's just like oh yeah i'm like totally like not hiding anything it's just <laughs> it's but it's really good like it's this casual body language of like yeah just let me get this like thing out my eye yeah cool what were you saying it's just brilliant um also uther yeah. and katrina are doing this thing that they will do for the rest of the episode and it's both annoying and hilarious where they do this couple thing like now that they're married Uther is like I've heard enough of your excuses we both have <laughs> it's just like and then they like hold hands and they both turn to him at the same time <laughs> I'm just like can you guys stop like they would be one of those annoying social media couples you know it well, I have one more note about this scene in which yeah. Arthur goes is being interrogated by his father and his new troll stepmother um, what the fuck is Katrina wearing <laughs> there's like she has this white dress also why keep, does she keep wearing white dresses when she's a troll who likes to get herself dirty i just is is she wearing the white dress so the dirt would come out better like is it is it for the contrast possibly probably and then anyway in this scene she is wearing some weird metal belt that covers her whole stomach she wears it later in this scene um I think in the final scene when she dies, she also wears this thing. But at that point, it looks more like a fanny pack. But it's just... What is that? <laughs> it's just... Is that like her wrestling trophy that she <laughs> that she won when she wrestled one of the guards earlier this morning? I just... What is it? It makes... It just... It looks so strange. It looks... Even stranger on human Katrina than looks on troll Katrina. It's just, <laughs> I. Uh, it is that's very, honestly yeah. most of what I was focused on while watching this scene. It's just, what is she wearing? What is that? Looks like a chastity belt, but way too high up. I honestly haven't even noticed what she's wearing, but now I'm gonna have to go back and have a look. But I mean, I trust your your opinion on this. But yeah, I just I didn't pay attention. I'm afraid. Yeah. I was well. I mean, how could I pay attention to what she's wearing when Arthur's wearing blue? Like, no, that's <laughs> yeah, it. that's fair. That's fair. Um, speaking of bullshit, the one I have next is called the one with the bullshit trail because <laughs> there's no way that Gaius and Merlin had time to lay that trail. <laughs> like, it's just like they what, they had time to like b like burn and kill a fire. What? Yeah. Yeah, just so yeah. stupid. Who did that for them? Because it, I, uh, and unless Merlin is the Doctor all of a sudden and he can mess with time and space, because it's I mean there are theories. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure that there's a fake for that. And Gwen has a line. Yeah, that that is actually what I called the scene, the one in which Gwen has a line. I mean, it could have been cut, to be fair. Like, th like that entire <laughs> thing could have been cut, but still, it's nice to see her, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, that was... My, my scene title is the one in which Gwen has a line, and my note for the scene is, 
that's it that's the scene that's that's it yeah um and it's it's a shame that everything gwen does in this episode could have been cut yes like literally she could have not been in this episode at all and it would have made no difference exactly exactly like the first one yeah but she was yeah she wasn't in that one at all she was like she had a look but she didn't have lines she was like just next to morgana and that was it oh god what a joke um so like the actual kind of fairly important uh scene that comes after is what i've called the one with the convenient grate uh in between gwen's line and this scene we just have merlin coming out of the barrel and guys reminding him to keep a lookout Merlin's just going to go about his day as he normally would, as if there was no danger whatsoever. I'm just like, yeah, okay. Like, not even trying to disguise himself in any way. I'm cheats. I just, Merlin, at least, I don't know, rub some dirt on your face so your cheekbones don't shine. Or just, or just dress as a woman. Like, that would have easily gotten him about the castle. Just, just like, yeah, just, a dress. Just don't yeah. wear the bright colors you usually wear. <laughs> And disguise your pale skin that can be seen 50 miles against the sun. Just. (laughs) This is absolutely crazy. Um, But this is kind of where I start to uh, put a bit too much logic into Merlin because, like, Katrina, you know, starts banging on the table after she hilariously shuffles across going, it's time for my potion. And she's just like super hilarious with her body language. And then she starts hitting the table going, I hate being like this. I just want to claw off this face and all of it. And I'm just like, even now you're queen and you have all this money and power at your disposal and Uther is your husband, but you don't want to do anything with him and you don't want to be human, but you also can't be a troll because everyone will see who you are. So what are you getting out of this? Are you so greedy for money that you can't actually see like the long term of the fact that if you want to keep this money, you have to stay like this forever. Does she not like, is she not able to comprehend that? Because I feel as though like her plan is extremely flawed because in order to get what she wants, she has to basically live out the rest of her days in this form that she can't stand. So what's the point? (laughs) Yeah, I think that, I mean, I always assume that her plan is to kill Uther Right. Just get his kingdom, get all his riches, and be herself again. Right. And hope no one kills her in the process. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. I guess. It's still... Yeah, I mean, I guess that does make sense, but it's still a bit like... It seems like a lot of effort when you could just steal things. It's... Yeah. It's just... Ugh. I mean, Sarah Parrish is fucking hilarious in this scene, like where she's like... I just want to cut all it off. And then she goes, like, she's like digging her nails into her face. And then um, I'm sure you've probably picked up on this too, but her peeking over the table. Yes. I have, that is my one note. Like I called the scene, the one where Katrina has an itch. And then it's just the comedic timing. Like she's on the floor. Jonah says, think of all the money and the power. (laughs) And then her head comes up with just her eyes above the table. She grunts, then Jonas uncorks the bottle, and it's just all the sounds, like all this, like this, this sound when her head comes up. Yeah. And she, then it's like, 
Plop. <laughs> oh, I love her grunt so much. Like again, it's amazing. That is just such an excellent scene. And just, oh my god, Sarah Parrish is just the best actress they could have picked for this role. Honestly, oh, her just. Oh my god, I would love to see all the alternate, like not like outtakes or bloopers, but just like alternative takes of like other stuff that she did. Because yeah, like I said, just that bit with her with her <laughs> like her claws in her skin, just going, <laughs> just like, trying- <laughs> like what are you trying to achieve? <laughs> oh god. Um, the one I have next after Katrina's finally, you know, kind of taken her potion and Merlin's conveniently spied on her is the one with all the politics because it's just, we're talking a load of politics really. And my only note for this scene where Uther and Katrina declare their plans for collecting more taxes is just, I love that they're being quite conservative with their storytelling here because essentially, like, what we have is... Uther and like Uther is saying to Arthur that he wants to implement further taxes, which implies that Katrina's been whispering in his ear about it, but we haven't seen that. Like that's just implied through the fact that, well, we know Uther's not coming up with this. So this is what I'm saying. Like, this is where they really do it right. Like, yeah, I don't need to see a scene of Katrina like telling Uther, Oh, we need more money, we need more taxes, and then this scene. Like, this is really cool. I like this. Um and yeah, Arthur just being cool as a cucumber, just kind of like um we've never done that before (laughs) are you are you all right (laughs) but yeah uh that's that's all i had for that scene i don't know if you have anything else to say um arthur is very pretty and also incredibly compassionate towards his subjects very compassionate oh yeah because he doesn't he say oh it's what i see every day like that they can barely scrape by he's like yeah he's like I see our people, some of them have barely enough to to live on, like all the crops they have, they need to survive. And then Katrina's like, that's what they would have you believe. And Arthur's like, no, I see that. I know this is a fact. This is not fake news. It's not (laughs) fake news. It reminds me a bit of... I know I always compare Merlin to Robin Hood, uh, the BBC show, and there is a scene, funny enough, that I've called later on where Arthur is Robin Hood. <laughs> but um, there is, uh, in the very first episode, when Robin comes back from the Holy Land and he goes to the meeting of the lords when he's still a lord and not a, a criminal, um, with the Sheriff of Nottingham and the other nobles in the county, um, he talks about how he's just come back and it, uh, when he w- before he went away, it used to be market day and there'd be markets everywhere and now it's basically barren. Like, there are no markets in Nottingham what's happened and he said stop all taxes today right now let the poor man take what he would normally pay in taxes and put it into his crops into his market whatever he doesn't take for himself he will then sell at the market and then that will help you know to grow the economy (laughs) and um, essentially the sheriff replies by being like a man who has more than he needs is a lazy man a selfish man and I'm just like oh for fuck's sake and this is kind of what Katrina's doing here she's basically being the sheriff of Nottingham being like what do you mean they need more <laughs> it's just kind of that's it's the capitalism um it, it, in Merlin we're essentially seeing socialism v capitalism between <laughs> Katrina and Arthur and it's kind of hilarious but yeah I, I mean it's a nice little b plot I do like that we see that Arthur knows his people, like you said. Yeah. That's very nice. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
the one I have next, it's it's a very boring. It's just the one with the plan. Um, and the re- <laughs> I called it I called it the one with the clever plan. Oh well, the thing is, is that it for me. This is my biggest thing about this scene is that it feels like it's too clever for Merlin to have come up with it. And the fact that it takes guys this long to coin on, he's like, but hang on, if we change the thing and don't put magic in it, Katrina won't be able to transform. And I'm like, did you take your meds this morning? What's the matter with you? How are you so slow? <laughs> Like, 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 what's that quote from Harry Potter? If you are any slower, long bottom, you'd be going backwards. It's like, guys, what is the matter with you? Because Merlin is, yeah, Merlin is normally the one that takes easily. Sometimes I wonder if your magical talents were given to the right person. And it's, the, I feel like almost the lines were given to the wrong people in this scene. Um, but yeah, Merlin comes up with a very clever plan, like you said, to um to rid. Katrina of the magic in her potion by making a substitute and making her drink it um although the one thing I will say is that he he goes to guys we absolutely have to make the switch before morning or Jonas will notice and guys like well then we have to stay up all night and I'm like okay first of all that's bullshit because if you just like take a like take one bottle I'm sure that Jonas won't notice because he's also an idiot secondly like if you took a sample of the bottle like Katrina doesn't check she just gulps it down like you've seen that Merlin so you can just take some out or, and then put that back that night and then Gaius has as 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 long as he needs to work on it like why is it imperative oh the plot okay sorry <laughs> ah, there it is I was is. waiting for you to get it there it is but yeah I'm just like this whole like these whole like completely arbitrary time limits that television places on us like I'm just like it also makes me it also makes me wonder when and where Jonas makes more of the potion yeah. <laughs> because clearly he didn't bring a 200 bottle supply of this polyjuice, which basically it is, you know, he just, he has probably a couple of bottles ready. I just, also, this cabinet is not that big. So even if he stuffs it full, that's like, what, 20 bottles at most? Yeah. And if she needs it at least twice a day or how many times she takes it, that's just, you know, that's a lot. Why is, why are we trying to be smart about this? I really don't know why we bother, but I can't help it. It just, it just gets to me sometimes. Yeah, exactly. We're just, we're trying to make sense of the chaos. Oh God, this whole storyline should have been scrapped. (laughs) Um, The one that I have next is the one where Uther is denied coffee yet again. So while Gaius is busy making the potion Uther's trying to get busy somewhere else and See, I, I called this one the one in which Uther divulges his parenting techniques <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite part of this is Katrina going you're not the man I married you got married two days ago <laughs> I thought that she said I'm starting to wonder if you are the man that I married because the man I married was strong and this and that and so she's like I'm having doubts already (laughs) yeah but like it comes down to the same thing you got married two days ago what the actual fuck Uh, my, so uh, I mean, this scene starts out hilarious from the start because we have Katrina walking in and just scowling at the bed, like, ugh, <laughs> like for fuck's sake, here we go again. I'm gonna have to try and get out of this a second time. Um, secondly, 
my lady. It's just like him coming out of the darkness with this like freshly picked bouquet of flowers. It's just her just kind of going, oh, my liege. It's just like absolutely perfect. And um, I just love that Uther is like really trying, like so trying to get in her pants. And it's just like, I kind of almost feel sorry for him in a way because he's really doing his best. He's like, oh, she's like, oh, they're lovely. And he's like, not nearly as lovely as you and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, oh, Uther, bless your heart. Um, And then Katrina hits us with the amazing talents of her soap opera performance again. And what did she say? She goes... I can't keep pretending like this. <laughs> and like even with the with the hand to her mouth, it's just like oh, no. It's like it's just oh good. I mean, she, she she didn't have to become queen. Like she could have made a fortune with her acting talents. To be quite honest with you, <laughs> I I think I said this last episode how you know she very clearly overacts, but it just works. Yeah, it's just it's perfect. It is incredible. It's just, it's amazing. I love that, like, (laughs) like, there's a lot in this episode for adults to enjoy, to be quite honest with you. Like, just all these ridiculous jokes. Like, how she goes to him, like, the man I married was strong and firm in both mind and body. (laughs) He's just like, I am. I promise I am. Um, And so let's talk about Uther's parenting technique then. Because he... According to him, he treats Arthur the same as he treats all of his other men. If he uh, succeeds, he is rewarded. And if he fails, he is punished. And I don't know, I guess, is that how he treats Arthur? I don't really know. I feel like we've seen situations where Uther has treated Arthur worse than his other knights sometimes, like Valiant, for example. I think that, I mean, Valiant was succeeding, but so was Arthur in that tournament. I think that to Uther's mind, that is how he treats Arthur. But what he neglects to realize is that he holds Arthur to an actual higher standard than the other man. Like he will will punish Arthur if he fails and he will um, reward him if he succeeds. But a success for Arthur is not the same as a success for one of the other knights because Arthur is held to a higher standard than anyone else (laughs) just because he's Uther's son and he's supposed to excel at everything and exceed expectations at everything. That's true. And like, what I will say, like getting deep for a second, is when Katrina says to Uther, Arthur is too weak to make the hard decisions... There's a part of me that agrees. Like, I do think sometimes Arthur just doesn't have what it takes to make the decisions that Uther makes and the calls that Uther makes, like, for better or for worse. And we've said it a million times that if he has the choice, he's not going to make the hard decision, you know, even, like, the hard decision that, you know, puts him worse off. Like, he'll make the decision that makes him happier and like makes him sleep better at night but that doesn't mean that it was the right decision do you know what I mean so it's like he does a what suits him and b kind of what he feels is right like oh oh no like what feels fair like oh yeah I'll make commoners knights 
I'll marry a, a servant, you know, because we're all equal, but he neglects to see the world in which he actually lives and he's an idealist and yeah, he doesn't necessarily always have it in him to make the hard decisions and really, really see the world as it is. And Uther's much more of a realist in that way, I think. So I don't know, like, do you think she's right when she says that, that Arthur maybe doesn't have it in him? Like, is she onto something there or is she just bullshitting? Um, I would actually say that, yes, I agree that... Arthur does have problems making hard decisions, or if he makes hard decisions, I mean, like you say a lot of the times, if when he makes a hard decision, he makes it from the mindset of a Slytherin. So when he makes a hard decision, he makes it in favor of the people that mean the most to him, and not necessarily what is best for the entire community. So I would say that Katrina accidentally hit the nail right on the head yeah absolutely and but I don't know I mean we have said she's weirdly perceptive maybe she kind of sees something in Arthur that even Merlin can't see because Merlin thinks Arthur is the best (laughs) and that Arthur can do no wrong and maybe Katrina has you know maybe maybe trolls have you know kind of some kind of innate like you know body language or like I don't know reading ability um but I thought that was really really interesting um and then uh Uther promises her a night of wild uh adventure and she just puts him straight to sleep with her troll breath which is hilarious um yeah and then the the scene ends on a good old-fashioned fart joke i could have done without the fart joke personally honestly my favorite part about it is, is that she fans it up to her nose so she can enjoy it more Oof. I, I hate, love that little I, bit. I hate it. Like, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't like that one bit, but at least it was just <laughs> once. <laughs> um, the next scene that we have is the next morning, and I've called it the one with all the tongue. Because to be quite honest with you, this, she- this scene could and should have been cut, but, I mean, it's almost it's almost I mean, worth it. Yeah, the the only, I called it, the one with the disgusting potion. And the only good thing to come out of it is the close-up of Colin's tongue. Yeah, which I've used in many fan vids myself. And I'm sure other people <laughs> like, have. I know I know that this is a thirst gif that many people use to just illustrate how plush Colin's lips are and all of that. And I just, I see it and I think, you know what he's tasting it's disgusting (laughs) yeah like i mean let's just talk about this concoction for a second because a where did guys get all of that stuff from last minute second of all richard getting to do these comic scenes as well kind of makes me happy for him because the the bit where he uh, says toad paste merlin shows him a look and he goes take two toads grind them up he goes i i I get the picture It's just like such a fantastic bit of comic timing. Like, yeah, I absolutely love that. And then, yeah, just all of the ridiculous ingredients that he has in there are just stupid. Um, but yeah, it could have it could have been cut out the episode completely. And also, why couldn't Gaius have tasted it? Like, has he been tasting it throughout the night, and so he's immune to it or something? I think he just wants to torture Merlin. He he is a bit of a shit, isn't he? Like yeah. he he he's he's kind of got that like teenager in him that just wants to cause trouble. 
Um, yeah. Bless him. But yeah, we've found out that the potion is tastes exactly the same, despite the fact that Merlin had less than a mouthful to make his decision. But there we go. Um, and then the next scene that we have, or that I have, I'm pretty sure there's probably a lot of sneaking around in between here and there that's pointless. The one where Arthur is Robin Hood, and I name it that because Arthur takes from yeah. the rich knights and gives to the poor peasants. <laughs> That's an excellent title. I have basically the same concept. I just call it the one where Arthur gives back all the money. Yeah. But that is that is exactly the same thing. Yeah. And um I have two notes for this scene. One is oh look, they shoehorned in some Arwen. Yeah. Because Gwen gets to watch how Arthur is being noble and kind. Yeah. And then she gets to be impressed with it. Mm-hmm. And the other much more important and relevant note is, have you seen Arthur's belt? Because it's got a dragon embroidered on it in gold thread. Ooh. I, I, had, yeah. not, I had not seen that. Um, it's, a, it's a really nice belt. It stands out because he's wearing a brown tunic and then a brown belt. And the brown belt has like gold embroidery on it. Ah. It's very pretty. Um, like when you, in the next scene, you see it from the front and it looks like the dragon's mouth clasps the the end of the belt like it's just it's like basically an actual dragon wrapped around his waist oh, cool. it's very nice um yeah what i did notice however is my favorite stuttering knight is back <laughs> the one that <laughs> the one that's like um uh, prince arthur the king requests your presence and <laughs> like that one he's in this scene and he's the one going he's he's refusing to pay the king's tax and he's he's my favorite um random knight extra i feel like he deserves his own character episode on merlison <laughs> because he's gone through a lot in merlin he's clearly just running around from place to place and can't advance in his work and i just really feel for the guy so you know how how long has he been in Camelot without a raise? That's what I want to know. <laughs> that's that's the B plot that we deserved in this in this episode. If, listen, if he were in an anime, he would be called some guy in the subtitles. <laughs> like he would be the one that would get killed. Like in well, I say that he's still in Merlin. Like he's still here, so I don't know how, but um. <laughs> So my favorite stuttering night. And then the other note I have for the scene, apart from obviously Arthur being adorably noble and I love it and it makes me happy, but I'm just really interested in the knights in this scene because they seem really into this. And I'm like, did none of you think this is a bit wrong? <laughs> like, are, are all of you okay w- with this? <laughs> like, this, this is really strange. <laughs> Like, honestly, I think the knights just all agree with Arthur and they were looking for an excuse not to have to enforce this tax. But but they seem really irritated when Arthur tells them to give the money back. No, no, like, not to me. To me, they're like, no, but the king said. And Arthur's like, fuck what the king said. That's what I'm saying. And then the knights just, I mean, they do it. And I think they wanted to do it, but they can't look like they're happy about doing it. Right, okay. I mean, I still think that it's very unrealistic that that knights would ever disobey a direct order from a superior... Like, like Uther is superior to Arthur, whatever Arthur might think about it. And, like, it's just... It's like that scene in Aladdin when Jasmine, like, tells the guards to release Aladdin and 
they're like, I'm sorry, but our orders have come from Jafar. And I'm like, she's the fucking princess. And like, her orders like surpass Jafar's orders. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Who the fuck is this Jafar? So it's, it, so it's sort of like what's happening here. I'm kind of surprised that the knights didn't just say, I'm sorry, but like, the king's orders are the king's orders but but maybe it's like you said they're just kind of like you know what we don't get paid enough to deal with this family shit (laughs) we're just gonna like do what we're told on the spot or maybe it was just convenient for the plot (laughs) (laughs) i know the one with the showdown i gave you a direct order Uther says, Ooh. I know. It's almost enough to make you shudder. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I'm joking. I'm not into Anthony Head like that. He's a bit too old for me, I'm afraid. So the one with the showdown, and Uther is not happy. And, you know, for good reason. Arthur has publicly humiliated him to a certain extent. There were not that many people there, to be fair. Um, but this scene is kind of amazing i love seeing this kind of calm collected fury like from uther and arthur's kind of equally collected responses and actually like logical arguments of the people will starve please don't take away their loyalty by making unreasonable demands and he's so mature in this episode and i'm just like i don't understand this like kind of flightiness with Arthur's character because like this is not the same Arthur from season three I'm sorry it's just not this is the Arthur that I want the one that we have in this episode and yeah I wish that we had him always yeah and also this this defiance this confidence it looks so good on him it really does doesn't it (laughs) like I mean I know I say this a lot but he is so attractive in this episode but especially in this scene it just it kind of hurts me a little bit yeah like i like i can appreciate arthur slash bradley like from a physical perspective like he's not super my type but he is kind of pretty like i like i've kind of grown like he's grown on me like as the years have gone on but it's actually like if it's an arthur thing like it's his attitude that i find attractive his kind of yeah like you said that kind of and even though you know that he does have his insecurities but more often than not whenever he actually does stand on his own two feet and he doesn't let his insecurities show that often and he gives you that like kind of cold like I know who I am I am the prince and I am in charge here and I know what is going on and it's so like like you said it looks so good on him and you know, I know that he's obviously super privileged, but that privilege kind of looks really good on him in a way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? It's like, yeah. you know, uh, you can't address me like that. You know, it's that kind of thing. And it's <laughs> like, you know, I don't necessarily like that arrogant side. But yeah, that's sort of like, especially in season five, where he does that kind of, it just rolls off the tongue of like, I'm the king. I didn't have to explain myself to the likes of you. And it's just sort of like, it's really cool. And it suits him really well. And Bradley does it awesome. But yeah, him just being smart, adult, mature. Love it. And yeah, mm-hmm. Uther is very heartbroken by this. He just tells him to get out of my sight. Arthur just bows and leaves. And then we have some more comedy. Uh, Uther being a bit emo. How could he do this to me? And Katrina just going, oh, <laughs> and like <laughs> Arthur massaging him. And he's like, the lack of respect he shows me. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> 
You have surprisingly strong hands for someone so delicate. Oh my god, brilliant. Um and how he like how she's like oh you don't have to do it alone anymore you've got me and that was you know again I wish this had been real because he does seem really happy he's like yeah like how could I forget you know and he goes into and this is the one which I love the most because of all the like stupid reasons she has to not like get physical with him and when he goes in to kiss her like they're not even going to do anything obviously he just wants a kiss but she goes I'm sorry I can't I'm too worried about you Like, how is she getting away with this? I don't understand. I mean, as soon as she doesn't have any other way out, she just petrifies him with her breath. That's true. Yeah, she... Get out of jail free card. Like, Arthur is essentially, like, she's trying to cock-block them with his own son, and then when it still doesn't work, he's just, she's just like, (sighs) and it's brilliant. Um, But what I will say is, this is the one... bit where like i mean the plot is you know thinly veiled as it is but this is where it kind of starts to fall apart for me because katrina you know tries to get the taxes um put through and trying to pit uther against arthur because she does say to jonas you know soon uther will detest the sight of his own son or maybe that's later i don't know which one is but she's like oh my plan to undermine arthur is underway but the thing is is like she couldn't have planned for arthur to actually publicly flout uther like this is kind of completely just happened out of her control so she didn't plan for this like it like I mean, it honest, ended up being good for her but still it could have also i mean i would not entirely put it past her to anticipate that Arthur might react this way it might it was it truly it was coincidence that Arthur walked in on the nights enforcing the tax that that was out of her control, but Arthur being against the tax, she'd seen right from the start. Like ever since they ever since they proposed it, like told Arthur about it, she'd seen that Arthur was against it. So she was probably waiting for an op- opportunity to use Arthur's defiance against him. That is true. Way. That is true. So, yeah, in a way you are right. She couldn't have anticipated for Arthur to walk in on the soldiers enforcing this and speeding up her plan. But I think that overall she did anticipate something like this to happen, like Arthur openly opposing something that his father was implementing. So this is probably timetable has just um gone up a little bit because Arthur has done it earlier than she anticipated. That's true. And I guess, you know, seeing as she clearly saw through Arthur's bullshit and knew that he helped Merlin escape in the beginning of the episode. Yeah, I guess I guess you're not far off to say that she could have foreseen him doing something like this. But yeah, it's a shame that it was so convenient. Like, I wish that they had written it so that she had a bit more of a hand in this happening. Like, maybe, like, making sure Arthur was there at that particular time or something like that. You know, like, that would have been well, quite but good. She also would have had to anticipate that a villager would resist to that degree. That's true. It's just there were there were too many factors that were out of her control. So in a way, you are right. She this happened. She's lucky. <laughs> she, she did get lucky that it moved so quickly. But I think, like I said, she probably did anticipate something like this happening. Maybe not this exact thing, but something like this happening, where an author openly opposes his father in some way. Exactly. Um. So. Uh the is there 
I I feel like there should be a scene in between this and the next one, but the one I've got written down next that I feel was relevant was the one where a wild Arwen appears. <laughs> um, uh, that's the one I have next as well. Yeah, so I I'm don't sure know there was something. something in I'm sure there was something there, maybe, but maybe there wasn't. Um, mm. And uh, so, I mean, there's really nothing to say. Uh, look, this is my thing about this scene: is I think it's all very well and good, and it's kind of like a nice lead on from when. Gwen saw him like you know with the villagers and everything and then you know she comes to to, uh, to check on him but bear in mind that this is the first interaction we've seen them have since Lancelot and Guinevere and this is the thing that kind of annoys me and what I talked about in our Arwen uh shipping recap is that it's just like if they'd have made a bit more of an effort to remind me as a viewer that they actually kind of had a bit of awkwardness because of the whole Lancelot thing. Or just to remind me that Lancelot is a character that exists at this point in the show. Like, to, And I know that this scene wasn't relevant for that, but I don't feel any awkwardness between them here. Like, in fact, I feel as though they're getting on very well and their interaction feels very Arthur natural. Is in, Arthur is incredibly comfortable spilling his guts to Gwen in this yeah. scene. Yeah, whereas... Like, I was very yeah. surprised by how open he is about how he feels what just happened between him and his father and all of that. That really did surprise me. Yeah, it's just... um, I would have been fine with this scene if, like I said, we'd have had one scene that dealt with the aftermath of Lancelot and Guinevere, which we just never got. Like, even in Sweet Dreams, like, we still don't really... like. At all. We don't go back to the Lancelot thing until season four. Like, we don't get anything about how they used to be a thing. So that's the only thing that annoyed me because this is the first chipping scene that we have between them. Um, you know, in a way, it's nice because Gwen kind of gives him that extra push he needed to really stand his ground. But at the same time, it was a bit redundant because all... <sighs> All that this scene is doing is Arthur already knew his opinion when he stood up to his father because he said, I think that you're wrong. We're as much their servant as they are ours. Like he already knew that in his mind. This scene has him questioning it and then Gwen just backing up what he already thought. So it's not really necessary and it could have been lifted. It's also not, it's also like, yeah, it's not necessary in my opinion. I just don't like how this is reminiscent of this whole Gwen being basically a parent to Arthur and being like yeah. oh no you did a good job baby yeah. everyone loves you for it exactly. well done here have a lollipop exactly. and like not there's not even any resolution found in this scene like Arthur doesn't come to a to a conclusion or anything because there's nothing else for him to do at this point like the next scene is the one in which he gets a disinherited like there's nothing else for Arthur yeah. to do he already made the decision like if this scene had come before Arthur is uh is supposed to speak in front of mm. Uther and defend his action you know if it had come right after Arthur tells the soldiers to give the money back if Gwen had like stopped him in the street and told him no you did the right thing yeah you know that would have had much more impact because then Arthur would have been bolstered by that when he was speaking to Uther instead this comes afterward and just tells Arthur and the audience what we already know which is that Arthur did the right thing yeah it is kind of pointless and yeah I just 
I feel like it's just either to pad out the runtime or to remind the audience that Arwen exists or, a, or kind of a combination of both or just to give us a bit of emo Arthur because, yeah, and it's and it's in a really weird place as well because essentially what happens is Arthur leaves the, his meeting with Uther, moans about in his chambers while Gwen goes to visit him in between then and the next scene because Arthur gets called to the council chambers by Leon who does not think it is strange that Gwen is in there alone I hasten to uh, add um, oh god don't in, get that me time, in that time Uther has written up an entire proclamation that will announce Katrina to be the heir and it's all been sorted in between like during this Arwen scene and I'm just like and you don't really notice it until you actually sit down to look at it, but you're like, this has all happened in the space of an hour. How is this possible? It's just so yeah. bizarre. And like all this happens in one day because Gwen's wearing the same outfit. And I'm just like, I'm I'm so confused by all of it. But eh, that's, yeah. that's Merlin, I guess. So yeah, there we go. I also had this, I had this thought when I was thinking about why is Gwen there to give Arthur this uh, morality boost? She's taking Merlin's place. Oh yeah, because Merlin because is missing. You know, as far as Arthur is concerned, Merlin has long since fled Camelot and is nowhere to be found. And someone needs to give Arthur a bit of an ego boost and uh, a good talking to, and be like, "No, you did well." And instead of having the, you know, the logical person do it, which would have been Morgana, no, it's Gwen. And I and I feel bad in saying this, but if they had gotten like if they brought Merlin back into the story at this point, although obviously they wouldn't like that wouldn't have been possible because of the um he only comes back like once Arthur has been disinherited. But like if but if they had, for example, moved Arthur's brooding scene, if they really wanted one and him needing to be like prepped up after he finds out that he's disinherited, and then he starts to regret his decision because he's like shit my decision had actual real life consequences and maybe i was wrong and then merlin comes out of the shadows then rather than in that comedic scene later on and you know instead of it being like a funny scene he comes back because he needs you know to have the plan with arthur and instead he's like no you did the right thing like i think you did the right thing but again like it's just i don't know if it was necessary to begin with it was yeah it's just one of those scenes that we could have really done without but you know whatever um speaking of you know being disinherent disinherited uh, i've called the next one the one with the puppy dog eyes because arthur is just really sad <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's like just he's so he's so shocked and i mean guy this, is stepping is... in for his son as well did you see that yes this guy is stepping up for his stepson is what i had as a note for this mm. because guys is like husband yeah why <laughs> <laughs> and arthur's like dad <laughs> It's like don't get involved i'll fight this one on my own <laughs> and yeah, yeah. But yeah, oh, it's just being like, have you completely lost it? Like, he's really, really good in this scene. Um, And what I really love here, like, you know, so we know later on that the way to break this spell is by the completely arbitrary rule of uh, Uther having to cry tears of true regret. And what I think is interesting here, and I don't know if this was the director or if it was, it's just me reading into Anthony's performance, but when Arthur goes up to him to really implore and reach his heart you know and really say very very poignant and personal things 
I think you can kind of see a lot of emotion written on Uther's face. And maybe my headcanon is that Arthur was actually kind of able to almost break through the spell because he was making Uther feel such true emotions. Yes, yes, I had the exact same thought. The way Uther looks at Arthur when Arthur talks about about these things is just, I was like, oh, he's so close to breaking the spell, and then he doesn't. Then it's like the the magic, the troll magic takes hold again, and it doesn't work. But Arthur was very close, in my opinion, yes. Yeah, and it's all thanks to Anthony's performance, because we are not worthy. <laughs> he is no, incredible. Really um, also, I, you know, I'll be honest, my, my history knowledge doesn't really extend to this, but I'm not sure this is even legal for someone to just like actively and immediately disinherit their direct bloodline male heir like this without you know him having been proven in fact i'm almost certain it's not legal because when henry VIII was trying to prove that his uh, catholic daughter who was inconveniently catholic at the time because he was trying to break from the catholic church (laughs) when he uh, was trying to prove that she was illegitimate and therefore not his true heir he had to go and prove prove quote-unquote that she was illegitimate by proving quote-unquote that his marriage to her to her mother was uh quote-unquote illegitimate when they were conceiving her so it's kind of like this to him just being able to sign a piece of paper being like oh by the way katrina's my heir now is the biggest load of bullshit i've ever seen not least of which because she's a woman which also would not work and 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 it's just like okay fine fine it's a comedy episode (laughs) i'll take it but yeah it just makes me laugh i'm like oh you are disinherited uh what (laughs) fine also leon you carpet. You absolute carpet. <laughs> he broke first. I can't believe it. I expected more from you. <laughs> I mean I think I think Leon's mentality was live to fight another day. <laughs> Anyone else could have started that applause. I'm sorry. <laughs> but no one else was going to. And Leon feared what would happen if no one applauded it. So he saved everyone's lives. Did you know <laughs> Did you notice though how his applause was so shit because he's wearing leather gloves so you can Uther should approve of that because Uther wears leather gloves even in intimate settings in front of a fireplace while being alone with the, with his beloved and drinking wine. Leon clearly is follow like trying to get in Uther's good books by copying him. That's my headcanon. <laughs> like I mean it's it's not not working. <laughs> no other headcanon will suffice. Um so the one with the ceremony because Katrina gets her way. Um Oh no, in between there I'm pretty sure there's a Merlin and Gaia scene, but there's so many yeah. of them that I just I I don't care. And um the so my first reaction to this is why is this happening in the banquet hall of all places? Yes! I was like, I recognize this hall. Why is it not the Great Hall? I'm assuming it's because the light in the Great Hall was not good at the time of day they were filming. They have lamps. They don't ever really use natural light. I don't know. I'm so confused by this. Unless it was like, this was like a grade B ceremony. So they just. (laughs) Maybe they needed. 
I don't think the Great Hall has an actual... Wasn't Arthur no. made heir in the Banquet Hall in Excalibur? So maybe that, like, that's yeah. the official airing place. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's... Maybe. <laughs> let's cross the straw, so I don't worry. That's where people become heirs of Camelot in their... Yeah. Right. In the Banquet Hall. Yeah. <laughs> Banquet Hall is the oh. official airing location apparently um and what i will say about this scene is that again it kind of did like surpass my expectations in the sense that like the previous episode surpassed my expectations that we actually saw merlin lose because it was a two-parter and you know he didn't stop the wedding this surpassed my expectations because katrina like in the middle of the episode because I just wasn't like I'm sure I saw something of it in the promo but I wasn't expecting her to be a troll for half the episode and so I wasn't like I thought like she'd be revealed in the classic climactic storytelling way which would be right at the very end but no she just outright gets revealed in the middle of the episode and it's just there and like Merlin succeeds in unmasking her obviously it doesn't go exactly to plan but she's revealed and that was really surprising to me for some reason. I was like, oh, wow, I didn't expect that. And I mean, let's just talk about the way in which this goes down. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> because um, the guards pointing down the hallway to where Katrina is running off and Uther running after her looks like something out of Tom and Jerry. Like, <laughs> literally, like, Katrina runs off, Uther comes out, the guards just look and point just so the king will run. <laughs> stupid fucking guards why not just run after her yourself um everything like in this next scene where katrina's just like you know kind of getting flustered morgana's like are you okay are you okay arthur is not but like he just i guess he's just so used to merlin acting up strange that he's just like this this doesn't surprise me anymore and then when she's trying to open the door he's like let me help you with that. He's just like, yeah, even though at this point he must despise her even more than he, like he didn't like her from the start, if we remember, right? Yeah. So at this point, now that she's got his title, his privileges and everything he had until like two hours ago, like she has all of that. And yet he remains chivalrous and is like, let me help you with that door. Why don't I? But it's just like, oh, such a boy. No, but like the way I kind of see, he's just sort of like awkward, like, uh, let me, because he's like, why can't you open that? And then just when he walks up and just goes, what's that? It's just like <laughs> the best. And here we have Bradley, like we've said it a million times, the comic genius of this oh, man. And so good. Just kind of the way that it all goes down and then we have like we don't actually see Katrina like transform we see her morph thing and then we have a cut to the the crowd and then once we cut back to her she's already a troll and before that Arthur just goes you're a troll and then just the (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) like she's just making noises during the she's like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just <laughs> random fucking like noises and just Morgana's I don't believe it but what I love is how you're supposed to like I don't I didn't quite get what was happening at first because just the fact that like Arthur just goes you're a troll and Uther just how 
dare you speak about her like that? <laughs> you can, like, what I love is you can see, like, the moment when she transforms, first of all, Sarah Parrish's facial expressions and this moment when she transforms back into the troll are just amazing. Yeah. And then you can see everyone's faces. Morgana is appalled. Arthur is disgusted. And Uther just has this vacant expression of complete and utter adoration on his face. Oh my face. god. It's just... But, yeah, just the fact... Oh my god. It's absolutely hysterical. Just Arthur's... Just shock. Like, because obviously Morgana doesn't have a clue what's going on, but Arthur in the back of his head must be like, oh, this like Merlin was telling the truth. Yeah, he's like, that's what Merlin meant. Fuck my life. He was right. You should just learn to take his word as gospel. Like, that might be a good idea. The fact that uh, Katrina like, rips the door off its hinges and just kind of does this weird back at them <laughs> runs off and then just Arthur casually and calmly going she just ripped a door off its hinges <laughs> it's just <laughs> and, you know what what I truly love is that I mean obviously Uther is enchanted but to some degree you know this must be his true genuine way in which he would treat someone whom he loves in a romantic way because he picks up her shoes I know. <laughs> and her circlet and he's like don't you think you've insulted her enough for a day and then he goes after her to apologize for the way she has been treated by the people that he calls family and i'm just like Uther, please i just stop making cry like the thing with him picking up her shoes is adorable, but in the context of what happened, like I just laugh every time I see it because he's just like, haven't you hurt her feelings enough? Or he's just picking up a troll's shoes. And I'm just like, oh, this is brilliant. But you're right, Uther, I just wish he'd gotten a proper romantic storyline because can you imagine the suave of that guy? He would be, nah. he would get it, oh. like for sure. Uther can totally get Uther it. Uther can, like, when he's in his late 30s and not in his 40s. <laughs> <laughs> because then we're getting into yeah. fan fiction territory. Um, yeah. I have yeah. I have two more notes yeah. about this scene. First of all, I love this line, like, when she, when this whole coronation ceremony is happening and Joffrey is going through the whole spiel of, like, do you swear, do you swear? And she's like, yes, just get on with it, get on with it. That's just the way, the, the, the look on his face is just amazing. And Uta just smiling indulgently, do get on with it. <laughs> it's just, and then at the end, just, she's like, just shut up and give me the crown. That is <laughs> such a mood, honestly. It's fantastic. It is brilliant. And then, and then once she's transformed, the one thing that I wonder is her dress, from what it looks like, is made of silk. Silk is not necessarily the stretchiest of materials. Mm -hmm. How does her dress still fit once she's transformed into the troll? And I mean that both in like size, because sarah parish is about half of what the troll is yeah in in you know size but also in length i guess whatever <laughs> I guess... like that like whatever like magically the potion also like whatever there was left over in length it just made up for in width <laughs> probably that's what that's the entire you know principle of alchemy 
It's just um okay. Equivalent exchange. exchange. Yeah. Equivalent exchange. I guess so. I don't fucking know. Um but Unfortunately, I guess we should probably touch upon what is coming next. No. Uh, and Uther, okay, unfo- me- yeah. yeah. So this, the title for this scene is the one with the rape. Yeah. Because um, I know that many, many people find it hilarious when Uther fucks the troll. I don't. Yeah. I don't think it's hilarious because the thing is... Um, He's under a spell, so obviously... He's getting raped, yeah. Yeah, so obviously he is in no way to give consent. And I think that some people, when I talk about the scene, think that Uther is raping the troll, but no! No, the the, (laughs) troll troll is very obviously... Yeah, Uther can't consent. The troll is very obviously raping Uther. And I know that people have made excuses and said, like, well, she had to keep up the charade. Mm. It's like, no. Like, this this entire time, she's used her troll breath to make him pass out when she didn't want to fuck him. But now, now she clearly wants to fuck him because he wants to fuck her while she looks like she looks. Yeah. Except he's under a spell. He can't actually consent and i mean i know it's icky to think about that if she had looked like katrina he might have wanted to fuck her for real whereas now that she looks like the troll if he weren't enchanted he definitely wouldn't want to have sex with her but the point still stands that he is under a spell he is unable to consent he has been unable to consent and she has been for whatever reason, been respectful of his inability to consent to sex with her. I think <laughs> whether it's for she her did... benefit rather than for his benefit. Yeah, I mean, that. she probably didn't want to have sex with him, but now she clearly does want to have sex with him for whatever reason, so she lets it happen, which means she is effectively raping him. Yeah, And people always laugh, oh, who the fuck, the troll? Like, even the, um, the dragon is sort of like it's sort of implied that the dragon is laughing about that as well and i'm just like it's not funny mm. it's really it's really not funny in the slightest no and i think it's one of those things where unfortunately even even if this had been made in 2019 because it's a dude i still think yeah. i i still think it would have less weight like more weight for sure because yeah. we're 10 years yeah. on but male rape just isn't taken seriously at all. No, it it really is not. There is, um, if I don't forget, I will link a very good uh, video essay about this very topic where the rape of male protagonists, but also men in general, is very trivialized in media to this day where it's just, you know, it's something to be made fun of. Yeah, that's and that that's, I watched about prison rape that was very similar. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah it's probably, it might be the, the same one yeah. because prison rape comes up in that yeah. video essay a lot. And it's just, yeah, it's just, it's not funny, guys. It's never funny. Rape is never funny. It's not funny just because it happens to a man. It's not funny because it happens between a human character and an ugly non-human character it's just never funny yeah exactly. not not even for a single second it's funny 
And it makes me like, I don't want to get too deep into it, but it makes me eat like a bit more kind of upset in the sense like that we know from like Beauty and the Beast part one that Uther wanted to wait like yeah. because he was thinking about a grain. And like, I know that later on, Uther's reaction is more is like less oh I got taken advantage of and it's more oh dear god it was a troll which I guess kind of makes me feel a bit better that at least he's not traumatized by it but then again you know he's I think well I have very mixed feelings about that but we can talk about that yeah when we get to the sure. when we get to that scene it's just yeah it's <sighs> yeah it's just messy it's just messy 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 yeah. messy oh yeah the one the one where merlin's magic is once again useless because when when does merlin magic ever like any good even though he's supposed to be the greatest sorcerer ever because apparently he won't find anything about troll magic in his magic books because otherwise we wouldn't have a scene with the dragon where we are reminded of the deal that they have because that's the only reason why that scene is in there otherwise in any other situation Merlin would have found a delightful passage about troll magic in his magic books and I'm just like uh, really yeah really so yeah you must speak to the dragon um yeah but yeah and also you know guys gives us this little tidbit which is completely useless and never actually comes up because he warns Melon to beware because dragons and trolls were once allies in the past and that doesn't even come up when Merlin goes to see him it's just like okay yeah and also <laughs> Why were they like what what do they have in common in this Merlin specific universe that would make trolls and dragons allies? I it is one of the more strange lines in my opinion that just kind of came to nothing. Yeah. I don't even know what to say to be quite honest with you but um the scene that <laughs> follow fair. the scene that follows it I've called the one with the romantic dinner and I just oh my god these two together oh my god I just can't I can't like I wish that I like that this was like a visual live show that we could just play the scene behind us because Katrina is just like stuffing her face and Uther is just so in love and he's just like is everything to your satisfaction and Katrina is just being herself and she's loving it and the fact that she's like uh nope <laughs> and it's like this, this thing's gonna go for a start <laughs> and it's just kind of like her wide-eyed like like kind of love of the idea of getting the dung and Uther's like well what can I get you instead my love you know it's just I mean it's nothing compared to the next scene where they're all together in the council chambers but it's still pretty amazing and it's just yeah, yeah oh god just Sarah Parrish, seriously, and Anthony Head, for Christ's sake. And yeah, and again, like especially in in combination with the next scene, Uther just doing everything to make the person, the sentient being that he loves, the most comfortable and the most happy. And I'm just like, Uther, please. It's uh, I love it and I love Uther and then we have yeah. just a completely useless uh, scene however I will say that it's kind of worth it to see Kilgara losing it like this <laughs> just laughing his head off I do kind of love it a bit like just his kind of and like when he kind of does this 
Yeah. <laughs> like that kind of sneering laugh. And Merlin's just like, are you finished? <laughs> I do kind of love that. But the rest of the scene is completely pointless. And why does Uther need to cry tears of true remorse? I don't know, because the wheel of plots. It's just... <sighs> I mean, to break the to break the spell, yeah, you know. Well, because I would have thought that, like, spell... Like, usually in, like, magical mythology, like, what you need to break a spell has something to do with the spell itself. So, for example, when Arthur is enchanted to fall in love with Vivian, true love's kiss from his real love will, you know, um, stop that. Obviously, that makes logical sense. Like, the real love will outdo the fake love. And so because this is technically also a love enchantment, I don't understand why Uther needs to cry tears of true remorse. Like, remorse has nothing to do with the enchantment like it, it would make more sense if it was something like Uther it, it must see the true beauty in something like even that would make more sense than tears of true remorse like yeah I mean the way it is done in this episode is in the end that true love of a certain kind saves the day that's true but I also don't understand why this couldn't have just been what breaks the spell from the start, like an act of true love or something. Like yeah. Uther needs to prove that he truly loves someone, like real love feelings. Just like with when the love enchantment in Sweet Dreams is broken, you know, it requires true love's kiss to break an enchantment of fake love. So why can't it be in this episode just said outright to break a spell a, a love spell of any kind you need an act of true love of any kind yeah to to break that you know it's really weird and i mean obviously it's relevant to the plot so i like it's fine because it wraps up the uther arthur arc which i which i appreciate that you know but still it's um it's messy for like just any kind of logical reasons and also kilgara uther has been sorry for stuff in the past you shit like he's like oh uther's never been sorry for anything i'm like i could literally list you a bunch of episodes right now in which he's been sorry so um fuck you uh i i love uther and don't you try and you know put your issues onto him because kilgara's got a lot of issues (laughs) so yeah um that's all I've got to say about that. Do you have anything else about the dragon? Or the less said about no. him, the better. <laughs> you got it. Um, The one with the pile of shit, which literally Katrina just sitting on a <laughs> pile. Of- I mean, can we please just take a moment to appreciate this scene? Because yes. I'm just kind of like, in awe of everyone in this room but again particularly Sarah Parrish and Anthony Head Katrina just giving the pile of dung to Uther and just kind of whispering that is for you and Uther just kind of going oh (laughs) like with his his face oh my god his face he is just so delighted so delighted that he received a present and just and then she's just, she is so happy. She is so giddy. And that in turn makes Uther happy and giddy because his his, his wife, beloved uh, is, his wife is happy. And then she's just, tell them about our plan, beloved. Yeah. 
Like, it's fantastic. Like, honestly, this is, um, this sort of tags on to the, the rape scene from earlier. Katrina, or the troll, whatever the troll's actual name is, the troll, now that Uther, you know, uh, sees her true form and is still miraculously in love with her. Hmm, I wonder why that is. Um, and still desires her or desires her even more than he did before because that's troll magic for you, I guess. Um, she now fancy, like, that's the impression I get that the troll is now also like, oh, yes, I love Uther. I, you know, I don't mind him anymore. I enjoy being in his presence because A, he can give me what I want and B, he has seen me now for who I am and he still like the that didn't break the spell he still wants to make me happy so I get this feeling that Katrina is now or the troll you know whatever that the troll is now in this mindset of like oh I actually do really like Uther yeah but then she's really like angry with him later and she's like oh I've suffered I've suffered which yeah that's just I feel like, I mean, listen, the less said about that final scene, the better, because it's so stupid. But, like, yeah, I I prefer your version, but it just doesn't really add up. Like, everything she says later leads us to believe that she's still faking all of this. Unless the only part she has a problem with is the bed stuff. Like, I, I really can't read her at this point. And, I mean, she's just meant to be there for comic relief at this point, really. But, yeah, I do agree. Like, your your theory makes a lot more sense because she's very excited about everything and yeah just tell tell them about our plan beloved it's just yes exactly it's 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 absolutely superb leon trying to speak throughout all of this is is just kind of beautiful and poetic and just everything about it is amazing and then when he says um we can't the people have given all we can and then Uther says you said that before and yet our coffer is full and just okay like I will give this one fart joke like the benefit of the doubt because it's just like a quick like beat almost and Uther just laughing at her like just finding it entertaining I'm like oh god and then as soon as Uther is like are you questioning my orders? Both Katrina and Jonas get up at the same time. And I just want to pay homage to this moment because Katrina leans over the table a bit too aggressively, in my opinion, for what is happening at the table. And she's just like, and Jonas is right up in Leon's face. He's this close to Leon's face and just staring at him. And as Leon is trying to talk to Uther, He's looking at Jonas, but he's kind of tilting his head at the same time because Jonas is just staring at him. <laughs> and he just doesn't know what to do with it. And he's just like, oh, fuck, I should have moved to Mercia. <laughs> we don't have this shit over there. Bayard wouldn't be giving me this kind of problem. <laughs> should, hashtag should have, should have gone to Senrits. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, what oh, I God. love in this is Uther going from endeared with Katrina to menacing <laughs> in a matter of seconds. <laughs> like in the blink of an eye, you know, one second he's just smiling happily, dopily at his wife, and in the next second he's threatening Leon's life. <laughs> it's just a friendly Leon, again. and I'm just. 
Anthony, please tell me your secrets because no one can be that good at well, acting. He, and, and just his like his utherisms, they just like like just the way he talks. And then as soon as he mentions um Bayard and how he's gonna come pay a visit. And okay, first of all, continuity. Wow, thank you. Second yes. second of all, um Katrina's Oh good now <laughs> Bayard, we expect gifts, lots of lovely shiny gold. <laughs> and I'm just <laughs> it's just the oh God. <laughs> and like she has no idea who this Bayard guy is, but just her. She doesn't care. <laughs> and like as Leon's talking, she just lets out this ginormous burp. She's like right in the middle of him talking, and he just kind of like clenches his fist and just like, "Don't lose your shit! Don't lose your shit!" <laughs> I think it's the closest we've ever seen him lose his temper. Yes. Oh my god, I'm honestly dying. Like I've got tears in my eyes just thinking about this. <laughs> Jonas in particular. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I forgot. There's a, there's another bit. Yeah, right after this, um, when um, basically like Uther is like nonsense. We will be happy to feast with him. Like, or it's right after Katrina demands lots of lovely shiny gold. The camera is back on Leon, and we're supposed to be focusing on what Leon's saying. But right to the left of him. Jonas is like clapping <laughs> but with these like cr- like his fingers are like bent in weird so he's kind of clapping on his knuckles but he's got this like creepy smile like right after Katrina says lots of lovely shiny gold and Uther's like we'd be delighted to feast with them Jonas is like yeah <laughs> like gotta rewatch it he's just like weirdly clapping on his like deformed hands <laughs> Jonas is oh my, my fate. Like Jonas is my Canaan, essentially. He's my <laughs> Jonas is my favorite villain in Merlin because, I mean, he's got a weird tail. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I love Jonas. That's true. Canaan, Canaan can't can't keep up with that. Canaan oh does God. not have a weird tail. He just has weird necklaces and his pen. You know, <laughs> he has his Arthur Pendragon trading card, and that's it. <laughs> Okay, um, uh, so the next one uh, I've called the one where Gaius plays You Need to Calm Down by Taylor Swift because <laughs> it just goes from like, there is one option, Uther must see his son die. And I'm just like, that, <laughs> I can't speak. That either says a lot about A, Gaius's outlook on the world and how extra he is, or B, how well he knows Uther and that this is the only thing that will make him break. <laughs> it's like, because <laughs> he just gets up and that's the first thing that comes to his head. Arthur must die. <laughs> and also, like, I mean, this is like for the next scene, like, the one after like where they're discussing the the potion but like couldn't Arthur have just played dead like Uther didn't seem too interested in finding a pulse this all seems needlessly risky in my opinion (laughs) (laughs) like literally just they needed needed the drama for this they needed to put in some Shakespearean elements to I don't know up the drama all that was missing was for Gwen to get involved somehow (laughs) (laughs) 
Maybe she should have been the one to bring the antidote. Oh my god. She would have got it there without fucking breaking it, that's for sure. Um, yeah, because Jonas wouldn't have suspected her of anything. We'll get to that in a minute. Because the next scene that we have, and I'm just pointing this out for selfish reasons, but it's, I've called, the one that could have led to some coffee. If you guys have ever read a delightful fic called Indulgence, you'll yeah. know how this scene really also, should have ended. Also, you don't even have to read it yourself. You can listen to Rox's part fic of it. Indeed, of a innocent 17-year-old me trying to... I was 17. No, I was 18. Sorry, I was 18 when I recorded this podfit. Can you believe that? That's good that you said that because otherwise someone would probably come have, would have come into our DMs and told us, how dare you promote sexual content created by an underage person? Indeed. Never mind that the age of consent in the UK is 16. 16 yeah. America is of- the only thing that counts. Um, but yes, yeah. this is true. I, I was very excited when I got to this scene because I was like, I feel like... It's kind of my scene now. I'm like, <laughs> I certainly always think of you when I watch it. So yeah, go go and read the fic. It's uh, it's uh, it's a nice kind of tidbit, and I think that that is essentially um, what happened after this. But what I will say, like the only serious thing that I will say about the scene is that I do think this one was definitely for the adults in the room because yeah, the implication is clearly there. Like what, yeah, like, like Arthur, what were you so worried about? Like honestly, it's like it's... he's like he's like pointing his sword. Like I mean, obviously the sword is because intruder alert. But like then, were you under my bed the entire time? No, because if you were, like Arthur, what are you trying to hide? Exactly. <laughs> and yeah, I'm just I'm just gonna say, go read the fic. <laughs> um it's really good uh so yeah yeah that was that one and then the next one is oh my god probably like my second favorite comedic scene in the entire episode sweet mother this is so well timed the one where bradley is a true comic is what i've called it because Mm -hmm. like again we kind of cut into the middle of the scene this is exactly what you learn in editing 101 cut when a scene has already begun, not when it, like not when it's beginning, but when it's already partway through. So we just start with, so your big plan is to kill me then. <laughs> and again, he just, like Arthur isn't fade by fucking nothing in this episode or in the last few. He's just like, whatever. Like, I've seen it all at this stage. I'm a, I'm a little bit worried about his mental health at this point, honestly. <laughs> He's too apathetic for all of this. Well, I tell you why. It's because he's uh, caught the emo of his husband because he just goes into full Merlin emo mode where he's like, he doesn't care about me anymore. (laughs) He's just like, leave me to my poems. He doesn't care. (laughs) And Gaius has to remind him, you know. um, uh, Yeah, so essentially... What I love about this is Merlin tidying up in the background. And by tidying up, I mean not tidying up. He just up. throws things in the corner where they can't be seen. Like, this is, I think, the only time that we ever have seen Merlin do his job. And I'm kind of, like, on Arthur's side a bit when I see him doing this. I don't think we ever <laughs> see Merlin do servant things apart from, like, this one scene. And he's literally just, like... Uh, I didn't think it was important as he shoves the armor behind some chair. <laughs> it's 
<laughs> just like, and then and then he picks up Arthur's coat and just throws it in the same corner. It's absolutely hysterical. But we've seen his room. Like we shouldn't be surprised by this. Like his room is a state. <laughs> but um, I mean, the dialogue in this scene is freaking amazing. So. Oh. Merlin's like, it's okay, it will only bring you to the brink of death. And Arthur's like, oh, only to the brink. And they're just like, we haven't got a choice. And then Gaius, like an idiot, lets it slip by mistake because he goes, it's perfectly safe. A single drop of the antidote will reverse the effects immediately. And Arthur, you know, because he's actually being smart in this episode, which is not like him. Um, he's, just, hey. he's just like, antidote? What antidote? You didn't say anything about an antidote, you know, because antidote normally means bad things are happening. And Helen's just like, I didn't think it was important, which is when he dumps all that shit behind there. And he's just like, no, it's absolutely fine. This will essentially just lower your heart rate and everything. And so, you know, you will be right on the brink of death. Merlin will have the antidote ready. He'll have half an hour to get it to you. And, and Arthur's just like, and if he doesn't, you will be dead. And it's just like, and then, and music. then, and that's, and then Arthur explodes. And says, you just said it's not important. important. It, it's and everyone is like, I guess it's a little bit awkward. Bradley's like little, like high pitched, like girly little, like thing that he does when he gets really, really upset. You just said it wasn't important. But it's the caper music as well that kind of like, yeah. and if it isn't, dun, you will be dead. <laughs> and then we get the creme de la whatever you call it i don't know what it's called uh creme de la creme de la edgar of the scene which is yeah. which is when caius goes once i've administered the poison uh, the potion <laughs> <laughs> i think honestly at this point caius is just fucking with Arthur. i don't think he is i think he's that stupid in this moment Arthur's just put because Arthur's basically just Arthur is praying for divine patience and thinking I'm going to leave this mortal plane. So he literally puts his hands together as if to pray, as if to just calm himself because his husband and his stepfather are driving him insane. And then as soon as he hears the word poison, he just goes, (laughs) and I wonder what must be going through his brain right now. He's like, I am the prince of fucking Camelot. And why do I have to listen to this? (laughs) And why do I have to put up with this? Um, Also, I'm just, uh, oh, also, just before that, when Gaius describes what the potion will do to Arthur's body, that it will drop his heart rate and it will bring about the appearance of death for all intents and purposes. And I love how he literally is describing the effects of a poison without actually saying (laughs) the fact that Arthur didn't get it then. I'm just like, oh, God. And then a single drop of the antidote. Oh, okay. I can see what's coming. <laughs> a single drop of the antidote will reverse the effect immediately. Oh, how convenient would it be if we only had a single drop of the drop. antidote to get? Um, you know that I didn't even get that reference uh, until God, just now. It's just ridiculous. And then I, you know, my little Mirtha heart can't really deal with the fact that Arthur just kind of takes it in his stride. He just kind of goes, okay. And then he just goes to Merlin and narrows his eyes and says, don't be late. 
and the fact that he just actually trusts Merlin to bring him the antidote on time. He's allowing them to kill him, essentially, you know, for the good of the kingdom. And the fact that he trusts Merlin to to bring what's going to save his life. Again, it's... I actually, you know... I like Merthyry episodes and all that kind of stuff, but I do kind of like moments where it's not about them, but they have little things like Arthur saving him and getting him out of Camelot or like Arthur um, uh, defending him or like here, him literally just putting his life in Merlin's hands in a really like blase way, just like, yeah, I'll let you kill me and then bring me back to life. It's, I like it. It's, it's sweet. Also, this is proof that clearly... You know, this is said way before Shakespeare existed because otherwise Arthur would probably know better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I love the way that he actually does pass out as well because you don't really notice it until it's too late. Like, he just kind of doesn't even blink. He just... I, I love, you know, he takes the potion, he drinks all of it down, he looks from Merlin to Gaius, he shrugs... And then... <laughs> And then he, and it's just, it's this little shrug is like, what now? I'll tell you what (laughs) didn't work or what. (laughs) And then he just, yeah, and then he just keels over, basically. And, no, I just, um, then there's this where they, like, lower him to the floor. And I know that many of the Mirtha fans are just so ecstatic because Merlin cradles Arthur's head. But what they, what they always it's because that just before Arthur's head actually breaches the floor, Merlin takes his hand away and his head thunks down. He had one job, oh. Merlin. One job. I I have actually used that shot countless times in my vids. Not because he cradles his head, but the way I mean, I think it's just the way that gravity is like pulling Arthur's head. But like when you actually look at the gif or the or the or the shot, it looks like he's stroking his head, which is just the most adorable thing ever. And I love that shot so much. But yeah, it is kind of funny how Merlin had like like had the right intention and then just Yeah. And then just like like, have fun with that concussion Arthur. I mean he's used to it by now. But so we're getting to the climax of the episode now, the one where Arthur is pretend dead. And I mean it's kind of a weird dichotomy of like you're supposed to feel the feels because Uther and Arthur is always feel the feels, but then it's also like Uth like Arthur is like it's meant to be funny because it's uh, like I don't know. It's kind of like a weird thing, but um I do love Uther's reaction, obviously, because you know, Uther and Arthur, he doesn't love that. Yeah. But yeah. That is I do love that Uther's love for his son is what saves the day. And I love that we get this message thrown our way a few times in the course of this show that, you know, Uther loves his son so much. Yes. And it always makes me happy when we get actual evidence that, that Uther loves Arthur, even though Uther is not actually the best parent and he fucks it up a lot, you know, and like he even fucks it up when he isn't currently enchanted yeah. by a troll. Um, but when it comes down to to the nitty gritty, Uther loves his son above everyone else currently living. <laughs> <laughs> currently living <laughs> is the one caveat on that. Yes. Um, but yeah, I love that it's essentially parental love that saves the day. That it's a you know it's not romantic love. It's not lust or anything. It's good old fashioned 
father loves his son kind of love. It's beautiful. That yeah. breaks the spell. And that he cradles him and oh like, you know, it is very sweet. And, you know, having got the emotional part out of the way, let's talk about the fact where Jonas appears out of nowhere with a fucking vase. <laughs> Just like a ninja. No, what the fuck? That is like that is like these uh you know, the wily coyote cartoon <laughs> where just an anvil drops out of the sky out of nothing. <laughs> just jo- Jonas is the MVP of this duology, I swear to god. He's just like, ha <laughs> You thought you were gonna succeed. How did he even know what Merlin was up to or where he was? How? That's actually a good question. No one knew of this plan apart from Merlin, Gaius, and Arthur. So how the fuck did Jonas think to even follow Merlin? <laughs> I'm just... Oh, God. Everything about it is terrific. And, of course, the vial breaks because, of course, it does. I mean, it is a very sturdy vial. It's jumps down several steps of stairs before it finally breaks on the last or second to last one. I know. And, I mean, there was... God, that vial must have had a lot more liquid in it than we think because Merlin manages to soak his entire neckerchief in that stuff and have enough to wring out. (laughs) Um... That's how science works. (laughs) And also, (laughs) Arthur's freaking lucky he didn't get glass in his mouth because... You know, Merlin was just kind of... It's, it's also lucky that Merlin wasn't, you know, knocked out for more than a minute or two. <laughs> more than half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> because that would be very inconvenient to the plot. Oh my god. Hashtag, oh my. hashtag inconvenient. Also, it, it, also the, the liquid would have just um, sickered into the... Um, I mean, probably not been absorbed by the stone per se, but just, you know, dried out. Yeah, yeah, just dried out. Yeah. It's just... Jonas, like, seriously. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, So, uh, this entire sequence is just absolutely awful, like, in terms of the staging, in terms of the stakes. Katrina shows up and, like, you know, obviously Uther kind of, like, you know, like, that, that happens, he gets unenchanted. And then Katrina just all of a sudden turns on him, for no reason apparent just she loved him and now she hates him and she talks about how she was forced to share a bed with him which she definitely wasn't really forced because okay and then there's the, like a couple of moments like meant to be comedic beats where Uther realizes what he'd done with her when he was enchanted which okay um and then we have this scene where Katrina somehow overpowers Camelot's guards, Arthur and Uther, before being finally killed. And I'm just like, what? Like the way that also, um, we ha- we have to acknowledge that she dies in a cloud of farts, which is probably her favorite way to die. Yeah, I mean the way that both least- her and Jonas die is very, very comedic. Like hashtag, I don't find it funny personally, but it's meant to be funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very weird. I remember that the last time I rewatched this episode before today and the last time was a long time ago. Um I read Uther's reaction to troll to the troll and like finding out what he did with her as, you know, 
he probably most definitely is disgusted by what she looks like rather than that he was actually raped like he you know he wouldn't have been as disgusted um with it if he had been raped by human katrina yeah i'm not like that is that is just interpretation on my part like there's no actual evidence in what he says in to to corroborate this so this is just interpretation but the way that things go and like with how this is played in the rest of the episode and like in these last two scenes that are coming um i feel like if it had not been the troll in her troll form that had raped uther you know people wouldn't have laughed about it as much they would have probably congratulated him mm. because you know human katrina was fucking hot yeah so it's just yeah yeah it's just really it's just terrible and then unless you have something else to say about this scene no i just think it's a really weird climax like yeah. like just look at what's happening in this scene like just look like just look at what the bodies are doing they're just kind of like all over the place and katrina's trying to wield a sword and it, oh it's just the whole thing is just bizarre um yeah. also her, her dress with the weird belt fanny pack thing is back that's what she's wearing in this scene. okay it's the, it's the white dress with the weird metal belt thing which now looks like a fanny pack and um yeah and then the scene the scene after that is like presumably the morning after yeah, it's the one where uther has no appetite i've I've named it. Yeah. And um and Arthur just laughing at the fact that his father was raped by a troll. But I mean what I try and think of it as is again, I know that we understand that this is the case, but I mean even if we looked at this between two dudes today this conversation would probably go very similarly. Like, I don't like, it's not Arthur making light of the fact that his father was raped. It's just Arthur not considering it rape. He just thinks that yeah. his father was made right. a fool of and it's really funny. I yeah. know. That doesn't make it funnier though. Like, the, the, I mean, I, I know what the thought process for the writers or the characters yeah. is here. I'm just saying that it's terrible. <laughs> it is. It is. It is terrible. And that that and that my impression is that if you know if it had been someone beautiful, like beautiful the entire time, not actually just shape shifted into someone beautiful, but like someone who is actually beautiful the whole time. Like if if Katrina had been an actual human being who seduced Uther in some way, like with magic then, you know, he wouldn't be laughed at, he would be congratulated, and still it would have been, it would have been rape. And this scene also kind of corroborates the thought I had for the previous scene, that Uther isn't so much disgusted by the fact that he was raped, but that he was raped by someone so disgusting, you know. And that's what really rubs me the wrong way. I know that the characters can't really help it, because that's the, you know the the history that they're in that's the story that they're in and the the mindset of the story that they're mm. in but the writers certainly know better 
And well, I they think clearly the writers do they. I, That's the thing. Well, no, yeah, the writers clearly don't know better, but they should have known mm. better. And it's just, it's just an entirely unnecessary plotline to have had in this two-parter. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's just no one, no one needed that at all. So, shall we move on to the last scene? <laughs> yes. Let's end on a high note. Yes, Martha. <laughs> um, yeah, whatever. Or just I know. Merlin and Arthur. <laughs> I mean, you can probably still like just like if you just wanted to shorten their names. Like I know that you don't necessarily mean it, but um, yeah, just a scene with the two of them. And uh, I love the fact that like we, I mean, we so rarely end on them. Like it's normally Merlin and Gaius that get the last kind of thing. So I quite like that they get their little comedic beat to tie everything up, and it is a tie up it's the last loose thread really that we have which is Arthur remembering that Merlin told him the truth all the way back in the last episode and he apologizes he apologizes for not believing him like kind of yeah. in his in yeah. his roundabout way <laughs> um yeah. but yeah it's um it's really really nice and you know we have the classic kind of thing which always just breaks my heart now when I look back of his whole oh you've you look like you've got something to hide and we all thought that meant Arthur knew something and obviously it never meant anything of the sort. But yeah, it's just a nice little reminder to the audience that Merlin's keeping his magic a secret. Ah, um, oh, season two. <laughs> <laughs> and then Arthur goes for a pat on the back and Merlin thinks he's going for a hug and Merlin is so happy to think that he's going for a hug. I find that so interesting that Merlin wanted a hug and Arthur obviously didn't want a hug and that Merlin clearly thinks that their relationship is at a point where they could hug, whereas Arthur clearly doesn't think that that's the kind of relationship they have. And it's just... I find that fascinating, honestly, because it shows that Merlin is much deeper into this relationship, whatever kind of relationship you want to see it as, you know, Merlin is much deeper in it than Arthur is, or Arthur tries to keep his distance for whatever reason he has. It's just very interesting. Arthur, I think, is just as deep in this relationship as the scene where he literally risks his hide to get Merlin out of Camelot proves the problem is, is that Arthur was raised by a very closed off man whereas Merlin was raised by a very open woman okay, okay so but, it's like but we've just we've just spent two episodes watching Uther when he's infatuated with someone but Arthur never sees that he doesn't, he doesn't get to see that he didn't have two parents to show him I true know. love <laughs> I know and Arthur and Arthur has the emotional constitution of a teaspoon he really so does and I so know. he I think deep down Arthur wants to hug Merlin but he wouldn't even think of it because to him that's outrageous like and it'll take Gwen and his influence to 
you know, beat Arthur around the head to get his act together and give Merlin a hug after four seasons. Um, so, yeah, and the comic timing of this is freaking hilarious, how they both pull back at exactly the same time. <laughs> and that mirror <laughs> image of them, like, no homoing their hands right the way down. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> 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 It's brilliant. Um, I saw this <laughs> Tumblr post once where someone wrote uh, something. I think it was like, uh, no homo, but this dude has really beautiful hair. Like, I would totally stroke it if he sucked me off. And someone, underne- <laughs> and someone underneath wrote, do you think that no homo is that powerful? <laughs> it was just giggles now i can't stop but that's essentially this is like arthur do you think the power of no homo is that strong like it's really not and then he just walks off merlin has a strange little smirk on his face that we can't quite place but i think he's like he'll be thinking about hugging me later (laughs) he's just like there is a a fake i don't remember anything about it i know it's a pod fake that's why i've uh that's why i know it as a canon fake but there is a fake where this gets explored where uh, going off of this point, Arthur keeps thinking about the hug that never was, and just like what it would have been like to hug Merlin, and then of course this leads to other things eventually. But yeah, yeah. I think I wrote a fic about the aftermath of this because this was the first episode I watched, and I was like, oh, they nearly hug. Um, and it was yeah, like basically Arthur convincing himself that he's not thinking about the fact that he could have hugged Merlin. It was PG thirteen at the time because Aww. I was. I know. No, but do you know what's really funny is that as much as I enjoy reading coffee, like I can't like I I cannot write it to save my life. I think my imagination is just completely like like awful. Like I, I can't mean, think to be of things. Fair, to be fair, writing sex scenes is no pun intended, super hard. It, yeah, it's really, really difficult. And when I used to write them in my like really long plotty fic because they'd just be like scattered around as they as they are, it was always such a chore. And I remember thinking, I love writing all the relationshipy stuff and all of the really like angsty things and the stuff that might make people cry. And then the concept of like having to write stuff that's gonna get people hyped for coffee was just like really, really difficult. And I was like okay but like where is this hand and what's that foot doing and it was just kind of like I didn't I didn't enjoy it like it was nothing like reading it like and I sometimes that's why I really now appreciate when people can write it really well because I'm just like it's a real talent in my opinion to be able to write stuff that doesn't feel stale and like repetitive to all the other stuff that's out there but also you know actually is doing what it's supposed to be doing it's really really I think something that people take for granted when they read fic that it's not easy to write that stuff like even if you read it all the time like I do that doesn't mean that you're talented at writing it It doesn't mean it at all so that's my little kind of weird like <laughs> PSA. It's like it's not easy to write coffee. <laughs> Momo may have to translate. Although at this point I feel like most people know what I'm talking about, but we might have some newcomers. I don't know. <laughs> if we do, they can ask what the fuck we're talking about. 
Um, so yeah, uh, that is the end of the episode. Actually, yes. on that on that note, on that caffeinated note, uh, that's the end of the episode. And so that is the end for not only the episode but also our episode review. And Momo will now tell you what you can listen to next month. It will be a character analysis of the male villains of the first season. That's correct. Get ready for all of our Kanan, Kanan meta because Momo is ready for it. And Dragon! <laughs> I love it. It's so great. Oh, the moment of truth. We can't escape from it as much as we try. <laughs> no, it has made us Will fans. So obviously, moment of truth is just the best episode now. All right, our theme music was composed by Sidesteppings. Our theme music was composed by Sidesteppings. Any other kind of music or sound effect you hear in this episode comes from freesound.org. The manip on our cover is by Brolin's Keep, and the cover was made by me. And if you want to find me on the internet, I am Miss Snowfox with an extra X on Tumblr. And I'm Miss Snowfox, just spelled with the one X on Instagram and Miss Snowfox Cosplays. I'm pretty active on both. One is cosplay and more fanish and the other one is just life and me being an awkward human. So follow me. Talk to me. I need friends. <laughs> God, you sound very sad. <laughs> I'm so sad. I'm your friend. Aww. Aww. You see, I have one friend. (laughs) I know you have more than just me as a friend. Says who? It's my word against yours. I'll see you in court. I would say, you know, Phoebe, who went to New York with you, is your friend. You can prove that. There are literally pictures of it on Instagram. Circumstantial evidence. (laughs) Excuse you, you just, you called your grandparents your best friends the other day. They how are would, my best How friends. would they feel no, about this kind are. of erasure that you're subjecting them no, to? No, they are. Like, you guys, my grandparents are my soulmates. They are literally perfect. I love them so much. There you go. So, yes, they are my only friends. Momo, you have now been erased. <laughs> You've been demoted to acquaintance. In Polish, that's kolega. <laughs> that's very... no longer przyjaciel. That's it. <laughs> and finally, I can be found on Tumblr as That's What Momo Testic Likes for the occasional fig or pot fig wrecks or as. Uh, beware of the German, Kreative Ergüsse, where you can find resources for all kinds of creative endeavors like fic writing, pot ficking, arting, etc. Lovely. So, until we get to speak to you next month, guys, I have been Miss Snowfox. And I've been Momotastic. Bye! Bye!